2: Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that always has motive, mostly because we're called a podcast. It's Sif Pop. Welcome to Sif Pop Weekly, streaming live most Fridays or available to download later in your podcast feed, unless of course you're a patron. Patrons get perks! Patrons get those perks. Aaron I'm your host, Aaron Dacer, and he's both a person of interest and an interesting person. It's Andrew Ormsby, ladies and gentlemen. Ahoy! Each week we'll chat about movies, TV, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. And please welcome our guest this week. He woke the bear from its sleep, but now he's crying when it tangos. It's Ian! You
3: stole my favorite line from the movie.
2: <laughs> That's not even a saying. <laughs> In any culture, <laughs> this yeah, is, that's not even a saying in any culture. It's good to have you back, Ian. How's stuff going? Good to be back. I have a question. Do mm-hmm. you do
3: you did you do you do you have like a point where you start the live from a bunker? Because do, I'm sure do, you start it. I feel like you start it earlier every time I get here. No, like no I started I
2: way early, like no, really was, early. No, that was the exact same point uh that okay. I always started So
3: okay, yeah, okay. Interesting. Okay.
2: Yeah, I'm good. Other than that. (laughs) (laughs) Other than I hate the way you started the podcast, I'm
0: all good.
2: No, I don't blame you. you I don't blame you at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had to have you on because geographically Mm. uh, you're so close uh, to Italy. uh, (laughs)
3: Wow. Wow. Although Missouri was mentioned way more than England. (laughs) That's that's,
2: that's right. (laughs) Which is beautiful. You know what
3: I
4: love the most about that whole thing? Is Everybody in the world wonders, what would it be like to live in Venice? Mm -hmm. Turns out everybody in Venice, where do they want to live? Missouri. 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 Thank you very much. (laughs) Two
3: two post-war Hungarians that currently live on the street that live in Venice would
2: rather live in Missouri. Don't take this from us. Ian, don't take this from us. How dare you? All we have is Jason Jason Bourne's birthplace. We Uh could use a little more. Yeah, and I've only
3: had that Brad house pointed Pitt. out. To, oh, wait, no, I'm Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt's brother or something. I have that pointed <laughs> well, still out He every here. time. Yeah, yeah. 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 that's Doug. where Brad Pitt's brother live. Yeah, Doug Pitt, which I don't believe that's his name. We, we just call him still, Doug. Yeah. You don't have to use the last for.
2: name when you see him. <sighs> <laughs> well, it's good to have you, uh, whatever the case. Uh, we are going to talk about a haunting in Venice, which does take place in Venice, Italy, and Equalizer 3, mm. which, strangely enough, also in Italy. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's a, a very Italian uh, movie lineup today. We'll of course do a best ever challenge. This time, best ever Kenneth Branagh movies acting. So movies in which Branagh mm. has acted in. Whoops! And uh, still <laughs> time, still time to, sh- still time to yeah, just shuffle gonna, them up, Ian. Good not job, for the graphics, right? Proud of you, buddy. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, a buried treasure at the end. But no need to dilly dally. Uh, let's get to the hauntings with a haunting in Venice. Hercule Poirot, I've found something. I've looked at it from every which way. I am the smartest person I
4: ever met, and I can't figure it out, so I came to the second.
1: You are up to something, my friend.
4: I've seen a million of these so-called psychics, each one a fake.
5: I do not believe in psychics.
1: Come with me to a séance.
5: Spot the car and I can't. Detective, you are here to discredit me but I can talk to the dead. I give all I have to hear my daughter's voice. If someone wants to be heard, we are here. Listening...
2: Celebrated sleuth Hercule Perot, now retired and living in self-imposed exile in Venice, reluctantly attends a Halloween seance at a decaying haunted palazzo. When one of the guests is murdered, the detective is thrust into a sinister world of shadows and secrets. This is the third movie in the Perot series from Kenneth Branagh um and he gets to play the character once again with the the double decker mustache and all that comes along with it that wonderful french accent that he loves uh belgium belgium accent i'm i've had to <laughs> stop from cutting you off so many times it's hercule hercule no no h and he's from belgium not france i'm sorry are we in america you do understand <laughs> like things are pronounced differently here right <laughs>
3: they don't have to be
2: <laughs> i will correct all your english pronunciations on names from here on out uh, <laughs> do it double day yeah <laughs> but yes erc 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 cool ur-cule. Ur-cule. <laughs> ur-cule. Yeah,
3: the minky the minky is the okay businessman. urcule is
2: that right urcule uh, yeah whatever yeah, ur-cule? i don't know i'm not okay. french okay i got it ur- <laughs> urcule Porat. No, nope. uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. now retired Beautiful. and living in Venice. Anyways, what did you think? Did you like it? Love it? Dislike it? Hate it? Or was just okay? Uh, Ian.
3: Uh, it's all a bit silly. Um, see, see what I did there? Silly, just silly.
2: So silly. Um, it's just okay. <laughs> Ian says just okay. Andrew? Yeah.
4: I'm going just a little bit lower, low side of okay
2: low Most side not of okay it. guys i loved this movie you i had did not s- no i really really did i had such a good time with this film i would have
3: never bet that that's fascinating well, that's i can't fun. wait to hear that's no, awesome that's yeah I, no that's I, awesome I'm, 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 glad.
2: I'm glad that you wouldn't i was surprised um to hear some more negative uh feedback online after uh i saw it because i had such a good time with this movie i think everybody mm. is so well cast um it is a perfect murder mystery in my opinion in the way that it treats its characters its clues all those kind of things it is so, it was so much fun and so good for me i knew exactly what happened like from like the first clue they dropped about it and still mm-hmm. loved the entire thing like it was just like uh i just it had me it had me in its palm i like how it was shot i like how creepy it was um, I am in love with the sense of humor uh, of these movies uh, and really, really just like those little bits and pieces. I thought the, the Tina Fey, Hercule Poirot stuff really worked well. So, uh, yeah, I had a really good time with it. Um, what are some of the things you guys liked about it, um, about this one? Uh, Andrew, why don't you start?
4: Uh, I want to talk about performances. Not everybody was good. There's a couple that I... Question the, the uh, auditioning, or I mean the, uh, the casting, casting of certain people. But uh, Jude Hill was amazing in this. Again, he is Jamie Dornan's son mm-hmm. <laughs> for the second movie that we've seen. Uh, this so is good. Belfast. Uh, yeah, he was really, really good in this one. Also, um, Kenneth Branagh, I, he, ha- he has a way of just losing himself in this role. And I love that about him. It reminds me a lot of how Daniel Craig loses himself in uh, Benoit Blanc. Is that is that how you correctly pronounce that, Ian <laughs> Benoit Blanc? That's
3: actually a Benoit White.
4: Benoit, Benoit White. Okay. <laughs> Benoit Blanc. Um, but no, I, I love the way that he just immerses himself because whenever I'm watching these movies, I don't see Kenneth Branagh up there. I do see or er, Poirot. How, how do you I've done it? it! I've ruined Before, you all! Yes. <laughs> you, no, it's Erkyo Poirot. Poirot. Erkyo. Slight roll so, on the <laughs> roll. Uh, yeah, that's my first pro, is that I like some of the performances. There are some really impressive. And I guess my next pro would be that I feel you can kind of lose yourself in this environment fairly
2: easily. Uh, Ian, do you have anything good to say about the movie? Oh, yeah, no, I,
3: plenty, like, I didn't end up in, didn't like it. Um, That's true, that's true.
2: You both said it was okay, Andrew, a little lower than okay, but, mm -hmm. yeah, on the lower Um, side of okay, I mean.
3: The, this is the second movie in a row where I haven't necessarily had a great time with the movie, but been kept in my seat and with a huge smile on my face by Kenneth Branagh's Poirot. He is incredible. When I watched um, Murder on the Orient Express, I was so skeptical because David Suchet, is or Suchet is my poirot like he has done i think he's done every single Agatha christie poirot story and he's incredible so nothing could compare and then kenneth Branagh comes and just blows it out of the park for me with his own take on him that's really confident and really unique um and this is i think i like him the most in this movie I completely agree with you, Aaron. The humour is spot on. The, the bounce back between him and Tina Fey, considering this is the first movie we've seen her in, mm-hmm. it's like she's been there for all three. Like, their chemistry is excellent. Um, the humour is spot on. I'm really glad how much time we had with Faro in this movie. It's by far and away the, the most entertaining part for me, which is good, considering it's his movie.
2: That's really... Yeah. <laughs> yes, it should be a starting place.
3: Yeah, I still want more of these movies. He's excellent.
2: Yeah, and that's that's one of the things they come down to. And again, I did love this movie and I I actually think it's as good as the first one. Um I love both the first and the third. I think the the second is a pretty big miss and uh, we've obviously we reviewed it here. We've talked about it before. Um but I I really did feel like this was back to form and one of the things I really liked here that I really didn't like in the second one is I think the themes that they were going for in this one f- locked in a lot better for me than the second one. They felt a little more forced in the second one, a little more uh overt and um hardy uh mm-hmm. if you will. The, the 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 mustache stuff, you know, like shaving them like completely unrelated to anything. Well, they thought it was related. Like, yes. like they uh-huh. they're trying to do something there, but here I really like that the journey he's going through is his own haunting. He is haunted by this past version of him. Tina Fey mm-hmm. is is in a in a way trying to seance to bring him back from the dead. Like there's this this real idea that what Perot is going through uh, kind of mirrors the afterlife in some ways. He's in his afterlife and is uh, trying not to be brought back, mm-hmm. you know, to the world. And then of course the movie. You know what? I was just going to say how the movie ends, but that would be spoiling it. So <laughs> not going to do that. You but think? let's just say, let's just say it works with the theme, right? Like there's yeah. there's a mm-hmm. real theme where uh, there's a the ghostbusters all come back from the dead and they <laughs> wrap they it's wrap amazing. up the mystery. It's amazing. Yeah. They it's have they have a full garden of these you know ghost traps that are linked mm-hmm. together. It's mm-hmm. it's wild. Yeah. You'd have never it's predicted amazing. it. Um, so anyhow, uh, that is. And again, if you know me, which you probably do. Uh, the theme is always going to weigh heavily on me, and because it worked so well for me, that's that's really one of the reasons I love the movie. So, what are some of your other thoughts? Good, bad, whatever. Let's get into it. What are some of the things that you other things that you love, or things that you know kept you from really loving it? Those kind of things.
4: There are moments in this movie that the movie thinks it's being Shutter Island, when in reality it comes across as Disney's Haunted Mansion. Like, the haunting stuff didn't work for me in this movie. I thought that this movie thought it was being a lot creepier and, you know, terrifying than it actually was. Like, there were people in my theater who were actually kind of giggling at some of the, uh, the jump scare stuff, like how silly some of them felt. Uh, so yeah, if, if this is supposed to be the scariest of all of Agatha Christie's, uh, the, the, it's not the fact that I don't like haunted, you know, scary movies. Because this isn't a scary movie, I don't think. I think it's a straight up whodunit film. Um but I think that the movie wants you to think that it's a that it's a horror film too.
2: I don't know if the movie wants you to think it's a horror film. I think it wants you to feel the tone well, suspense thriller. I think it wants you to feel the, the you know, the tonal shift. Um yeah, I think expectations probably play a lot into that. I was not expecting it to be a scary movie or a horror movie. I was expecting it to be a uh, a spiritually themed murder mystery, you know, like uh, to deal with the other side. So I can see how you would uh, look at some of those moments and think they're a little bit, you know, amusement park ride or whatever the case may be. Um, for me, my expectations were on the murder mystery. So for me, it was just part of this is... Like, I, I wasn't scared. But then again, I'm not necessarily scared at a lot of movies. Uh, and I didn't feel like the movie wanted me to be scared as much as it wanted to put me in a different atmosphere or uh, or tone. Um, but yeah, I can see that perspective for sure. Ian?
3: For me, that's the, <clears throat> that's the part of the movie that didn't work um, the most for me and was the most distracting. It felt like, hey, we have an opportunity – to do a horror adjacent poirot where we can jump genres a little bit but yeah. it was really distracting for me so like the dutch angles the jump scares that <laughs> flipping parrot that were just out of nowhere and
4: um, for That's me people were laughing at
3: that okay. and it's you make a good point aaron like it's it's it is just the shift of tone and it is the movie like having the opportunity to put us in that environment but for me i think it crossed too far into seriously trying to be horror like i think the movie was trying to scare us and to that be wasn't. spooky but yeah. it just didn't work for me it it, it felt really really distracting um there isn't an, an element to the story that rescues it a little bit that i don't want to spoil but overall that being a horror movie thing just didn't work for me
2: i think the element you're talking about if i'm guessing correctly uh i wonder if that's part of the problem part of the the problem is we're dealing with a movie that is making a point about spiritualism in some ways in in seances and those kind of things and is doing it in a way where the clues to the murder mystery are the primary thing right so they're, they're creating a world where they can't do a typical horror movie scare that doesn't fit in with the murder mystery they're presenting. I'm trying to walk mm-hmm. around this yeah. a little bit. I get but it, yeah. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? So I wonder if they're kind of handcuffed to do what they do because their point is to create – you know a a legitimate murder mystery that works, which I think they did. I think the murder mystery part of this uh, really holds together. Uh, when no, you I think agree. back on it.
3: Well, I mean, but that's the part the movie didn't get to pick <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> but oh, for see, me, this is, it... this, uh, this is stuff I don't know because I was under the impression, like with the the first couple that they changed some stuff.
3: oh honestly, i I don't know. I know it's based okay. on one of her stories. I don't know what I don't know if my understanding has
2: changed. was that they are tweaking these stories. okay, that uh, may well be I, right. Maybe I'll be wrong as well, but that's just what I remember uh, hearing. We need a fact checker or somebody yeah, we, on this. Some, yeah, wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if we had that
3: on there? From
4: what? what I remember, I don't think they changed murder on the Orient Express that much. It seemed to be... That's the only one that I've read. Okay. I haven't read any of the other ones. Okay. But again, then again, it's been forever since I've read that.
2: Take book. everything we say with an entire pillar of salt. Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, An entire sure. speaky pillar of salt. Yeah, So um, much salt. So... I
3: want to push back a little bit on what you said, Aaron, because I agree you have to have some of those jump scare moments because the characters are being jump scared as much as we are, but there are some editing choices with the sudden noises and the increase in like that shrieking score that happens when a door slams open uh, the parrot the flying, dirty.
2: yeah, the parrot flying at you, which has nothing to do with anything' I don't know if you just I don't know if you know understand. <laughs> how the pronunciation was how it's pronounced
4: in america <laughs>
2: the the cockatoo um <laughs> whoa whoa
4: ian
3: whoa settle <laughs> oh, down oh goodness the 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 avian uh-huh. um the non-avian dinosaur no wait no, the dinosaur flies um that that kind of stuff has nothing to do with the story that for me felt like ooh this is one of our opportunities like it's not often we're going to have Poirot in a um conjuring type environment. So let's make the most of it and let's get some of those horror jump scares. And it's no coincidence that this is coming out in the middle of September leading mm-hmm. up to Halloween as well. So I think... Yeah. I, I think I'm think i not giving the movie in that much credit. I think they are trying to tap into the horror crowd and I think it's to the detriment of the murder mystery for me.
2: I do wonder how mm-hmm. much is intentional. Uh, I do wonder how much of it is intended to be like an amusement park ride. Like how much of it is... A way to a uh, echo a seance where it's like an amusement, you know, park ride that yeah. there's somebody in the chimney and it's you know it seems silly and fake because it is you know silly and fake or whatever you for the know? seance
3: that makes complete sense because it's so easy for parrot to unravel the whole thing so <laughs> uh-huh. quickly and so immediately. So yeah, that I, I completely buy, but the stuff that happens after that, it felt a bit more like taking advantage of the opportunity.
2: I do love that we got a double denouement, uh, which is self-contradictory, I believe. But, uh, but like, that we get that we get two instant... It's like uh, Glass Onion had this, too, where we get two big, like, explanation scenes from our favorite uh, detective in the same movie. It was brilliant. I kind of wanted the
3: movie to end there. I was like, this is all I came for. I just didn't want Poirot to end up a quote-unquote believer. Like, yeah. I could have left didn't make sense half an hour me. movie, done.
2: Yeah.
4: That part didn't make sense to me, and I'm going to yeah. try and talk around it as best I can, because... He proved his point after, like, in that moment, like, when he went to the chimney and stuff like that. He proved his point. And yet there were still people believing.
3: Oh, and- Andrew. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> you poor soul. You think facts are going to change jump. people's minds? Yeah. She, the I, I kid you not. The psychic herself, Michelle, yo, could have said, I am taking the mickey here. I am lying. And the exact same people in that room would have said, no, but
2: you just don't know it. You well, are a psychic, but you don't know it. And the movie makes a point of this, by the way, with the brother character. The brother character who says, no, she's like, he he does the tricks for her. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in, in and, and he
3: believes. Yeah. And, and exactly. he still believes. This is just to butter it up. This is just to convince yeah. the people that don't believe. So the movie yeah. is
2: making, making that point as well, that, you know, people believe what they want to believe or need to believe. Mm, it's the molder effect (laughs) (laughs) yes i want to believe Mm uh other thoughts on uh haunting in venice
4: no post-credit scene
2: that is true that's true
3: oh it's it's beautiful like I, I, I really I didn't like the Dutch angles and
2: whatnot and all of that stuff. But I mean, yeah, Venice is beautiful. I but kinda the, liked the Dutch angles. Can I can we talk about them for a second? Of course. The movie yeah. throws them in our face, like right at the beginning. Like From it, the beginning. Yeah. That's but, all but, yeah. yeah. But I kinda loved it because again, like a lot in this movie okay, so I'm probably giving credit where credit isn't due. That is probably happening here, but this movie seemed to be like, yeah, I, I, to me, I know what I'm doing. I like, mm-hmm. these are severe Dutch angles, but look how it's fray. Like the framing on them was so interesting. Um, the, the statues and the seagull and, you know, Mm -hmm. all leading up to that first, you know, jump wake scare, uh, you know, that we have or whatever. I I really liked all that stuff.
3: The shots that I really liked were the stationary ones. There are some shot compositions in this movie that are chef's kiss so good. For me, the Dutch angles are some of the worst parts of horror. So, like, if you're going to do a horror thing, I didn't like that the movie incorporated that in. I was like, you're picking the wrong bits from the genre, to mm. to make this what I personally like about horror and want to have in
2: here. I need to look this up. Um, and so I'm going to, but I am almost sure that this was the aspect ratio on this was five three. It um, did feel different. Uh I think this was like, which by the way, it, I just recently did research on this. Uh but the five no, three No, 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 you knew this. Don't don't you <laughs>
3: don't you explain this away.
2: Uh, sure. Okay. My vast cinema knowledge uh, aspect ratio is always my favorite thing to to look at. Uh, The the 5-3 ratio is a European ratio. It is European cinema used 5-3. Uh, back in the day when the US was using 4:3. 4:3 is what you're used to on the square televisions kind of thing. Um, 5:3 is a little bit wider but not quite as wide as the 1.771 or you know 2.161 is that the really ultra wide one? Whatever. I okay. listen, Yeah, I don't know any <laughs> of this stuff. Uh, but anyways, they talked about 5:3 being this really great way to build uh, atmosphere and close-ups because of the way it locks the screen down a little bit
0: mm. and
2: you don't have to worry about like the rule of thirds when you're in expanded and how far they go towards the side. So you can have like bigger close-ups because everything looks good. Everything mm. you put in five, three feels like it locks into like the rule of thirds and, and different it definitely things. definitely like felt that. that way. So um, uh, like a rear window was shot in five, three just as an example. Um, so yeah, I, I just, I found that really interesting. And again, I didn't quite have a chance to Google the ratio. I mean, I could be totally wrong about that. This well, you late. Google
3: because I do have one other camera thing that I really liked. And it is there's a shot where um, Poirot was at his most confused and spooked. And they do this, like, I can't remember what it's called. It's like a body cam, steady cam thing that's attached to his body. And it just gives this, like, visceral feeling as he's running through the house. And we're just focused on his face as he's, like, jogging and that's just a, POV a thing yeah I, it's just a thing i didn't well it's not pov because we're looking at him not his pov it's the opposite we're, look, we're kind of focused on him as he's running and it's just not a shot that i expected oh no movie, movie. Okay. um as i really liked it that for me worked really well as showing how unsettled he was rather than the dutch, dutch angles and jump scares
2: so confirmation, it is uh, enclosed a little bit more, but it's 1.851, which is more uh, like five and a half three. Um, you fool. So, so it's a little wider <laughs> than five
3: three. Uh, <laughs> I'm not interested, then. But it's
2: definitely an intentional thing he did for this movie mm-hmm. to close it in a little bit more, take yeah. advantage of those close-ups. And oh, I think the sense. movie's better for it. I think the cinematography is yeah, just gorgeous. So, yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, that is our thoughts on A Haunting in Venice. Uh, that is available in theaters and who knows for how long, but I recommend checking it out. Uh, you guys, would you give it a recommend, even though you just kind of liked it? Or you yeah. It I mean, was a if, thing? You if you like
3: yeah. Poro films, yes, absolutely, because this is still a good Kenneth Branagh um, Poro film,
4: for sure. There it's better go. than the second one. It's not as good as the first one.
3: I've had ingrowing toenails that are better than the second one. <laughs>
2: It's an amazing movie. Uh, <laughs> it's an amazing movie, yeah. All right, let's My continue on. Let's talk about Equalizer 3.
3: Ciao, Roberto.
2: Roberto, tell me, what did you do back home? Government work. I'm retired. Because of these people, I'm beginning to understand real peace. Oh. They see you as one of us now. I believe this is
5: where I'm supposed to be. This happens in many towns. The mafia, they're like cancer. No cure.
2: Robert McCall finds himself at home in southern Italy, but he discovers his friends are under the control of a ghost. No, a local crime boss. Wait, what? (laughs) As events turn deadly, McCall knows what he has to do. Become his friend's protector by taking on the mafia uh denzel coming back to uh to play this character one more time um what did you guys think about the equalizer 3 did you like it love it dislike it hate it or was just okay andrew
4: didn't see it
2: <laughs> ian um you you know where
3: i am on this because i watched this a couple of weeks ago um high side of liked it high side, high side. Of liked it. i wondered if you loved it i wondered if you no in. not quite not quite there
2: uh over I'm time lo- maybe I'm on the low side of liked it. Um, So I liked it as well. Uh, Yes, it is correct. Andrew, you did not get a chance to see this. Uh, But I did
4: see the first one.
2: But Did you see the second one? No. Okay. All right. Ian, have you seen the first and the second one?
3: I watched the first and the second the day before going to see the third. And I think that really helps. Yeah. But I remember enjoying the first and I hadn't seen the second. The first one was really good. The first one is incredible. That last scene with the the, uh, the songs called Vengeance, and that's playing as he goes through the Home Depot, Home Alone,
2: is so good. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah. Um, I've seen the first and the second. I don't know if it's a hot take. I think the second is even better than the first, and I think the first You're is wrong. pretty pretty good. Um, do, you not, do you not like the second, or you just don't think it's better than the first?
3: I don't think it's better than the first. It's fine. It's fine. But it's for me, it fell quite a few notches down from the yeah, first. I
2: like what it's doing. Um, so I'll, let's talk about this third one then. Um, Ian, you liked it a little bit more than me. So mm. talk about what you loved about this one.
3: <sighs> a lot of what I like about this one is what I didn't like about the last one. For me, the, the second one was taking on too many themes and had its fingers in too many pies. And for me, lost some of the... Personal mission that he had. This, even more than the first one, I get why A, he's reluctant to fight, and B, why he has to fight. And you get those two things nailed in with this character, and I'm all in. Like it absolutely gets that right. I he's here to live a peaceful life and to fully retire. And he's acts, even it even the way he picks the village feels authentic. And it very much picks him and how things go sideways. I was going to say, he, it wasn't
2: my interpretation that he was looking to retire. Uh, the, no, no, no. Okay, so, okay. I, yeah, I didn't
3: mean, if I said that, I didn't mean to. Okay. More that he right. ends up retiring here and finds mm. the place that he's supposed to be. Um, and just the way that turns on its head into him choosing violence and defending a new place that he's found it just felt so authentic this wasn't like it's fine if he defends a stranger and comes to their rescue it feels even more authentic to me if i get why he cares and why he's doing what he's doing um there's a couple of elements that are missing that i would have liked to see but overall that core story of why he's doing what he's doing i had goosebumps throughout most of the film i enjoyed it so much
2: I'm interested to hear what you think is missing. Uh, I agree. I think the the biggest thing this movie has going for it is that it is a really well-structured character story. Yes. It is like you are in uh, league with the McCall character from beginning to end. You understand all of his motivations. You know exactly where he is. The movie isn't trying to do what so many modern movies do, where it's like, oh, what if this guy's actually a bad guy, you know, or oh, what, <laughs> if-
3: <laughs> what if there's some secret society that's coming after him that he was right. a member of, like going the John
2: Wick route. <laughs> right. Yeah. It so really tight. This, it's, it's, it's interesting to me to just see a movie, just go, we know what we are. We are a vigilante story. That's what this is. This is a man who is a vigilante. This is, I I really think this is a superhero movie. I, I believe that what we're dealing with here comes from the same place Superman comes from, which is, I, we know there are bad guys doing bad stuff it happens i feel powerless i don't know how to stop that i don't have the skills or the desire to be violent i don't know what to do superman can save us like you know mm-hmm. it really kind of comes from that that same place and then mixes into the is batman a, vigilante thing like it's
3: this is a better dark knight rises than <laughs> the dark knight rises it truly is
2: Um, so, so I I think this is a superhero movie in that way, in that this is a character that, that we, we get behind and we find ourselves rooting for because they are the one who has come to save us. It's a savior story. You know, there's a Mm -hmm. savior element to it. Um, and so, so yeah, I think that's, that's where the movie succeeds the best, I think is really painting that picture. Uh, these movies have all helped us understand like the the people he is hurting slash killing uh are all bad people mm-hmm. and I have my own philosophical issues with the yeah. idea of a person being completely bad or completely good. Ah, uh, which this movie kind of touches on a little bit, actually, with an interesting like—oh uh, my goodness, yeah—question uh, about are you mm-hmm. a good person or a bad person? Um, yeah, I love that. But the movie is very content to go, oh no, 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 these people are all just bad people. They're just all yeah. like completely one hundred percent evil. These are people. cartoon villains. These are yeah. these are people that deserve to die. I need you to know yeah. this. They all deserve <laughs> to die. He's doing a good. By yes. slicing their throats like that,
3: short th- of them like <laughs> killing puppies on screen, there's not much. There's no nuance to the bad no guys nuance. in this movie. No
2: nuance, which I think has <laughs> philosophical ramifications as we live our lives, especially in yes. a polarized society. I, th- I do mm-hmm. think that has negative ramifications. However, the movie. Uh, plays that in a way that I think really works if you're going to see uh, a compelling story. I believe this is absolutely a compelling story. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the, yeah. the, the best thing the I movie almost, going for it.
3: I almost think the movie doesn't give itself enough credit that will root for McCall. Uh, even if these guys aren't 100% bad. Like, they don't have to be cartoon villains. I get it. They have to be... Like, I think they do. Under, you think they have, think have to be if, undeniably I evil. I don't think it works You if might be right. As I was saying it, you might be right. But... Yeah.
2: I just know that I would be rooting for him if he was probably killing good
3: guys. I'm the problem.
2: I'm the problem. So let's get into that part of it, which I think hits you better than it hits me, which is the, oh my goodness, how cool is the the way he's killing people? Which is, you know... Yeah. I'm not saying I I don't have that part in me. mm -hmm. I'm just saying I usually... Uh, listen to that part and go, no, that's, that's not a good part of me. Let's, let's, (laughs) let's quiet that part, you know?
3: Well, that's exactly how I went into this movie because the third time out, like that works great in the first film because it's unique. It's new. And there's a lot of stuff in that first film that I really like, like some technical things they do that I really like. By the time we get to the third entry, I'm like, I need something more. If you're going to make a third movie out of this, I need more than the, the, I know Kung Fu stuff. (laughs) Having said that, it's still done so well in this movie. There's not a huge amount of I Know Kung Fu, but what he does do specifically, the first big showdown when they're in that restaurant and how he dominates that man and Mm -hmm. his henchmen with words as much as force is incredible and i was like ah you got me dang it dang it (laughs) movie you got me with your equalizing um it's it's so good um the the fighting isn't my favorite part of this movie at all i don't think it's done as well as the first one but how it's used there's enough of it in there for me to still recognize this as, as the equalizer brand um but the fact that it focuses on this tight story in the third entry. like The temptation is always to go bigger, 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 bigger. This is the smallest story. I know he's taking on the whole of the Italian mafia, but put that to one side. At its core, this is the smallest story that I think um, we've seen
2: them do. It's such a beautiful and natural way that we get into the plot, too. Yes. And the bookend of our entry into what's going on is what the movie is trying to say. It's, you know the The idea of what's in the duffel bag, and that's all. That's all I'll say. Is mm-hmm. is the heart and soul of this character is what's in the duffel bag. It's and, so good. So yeah, and it, it is. It's really good, and it's that stuff. I'm just like, oh, I I I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish he could arrest people. You know, <laughs> I wish he didn't have to <laughs> literally murder them.
3: Um, I like this movie. Just kept surprising me because we open I, without giving too much away. Something big happens at the beginning, and I kind of felt we're gonna slump a bit here and have to wait until we get back into what I want to see. But it uses that time so well. I just mm-hmm. wanted an entire movie of it. I didn't care if we ever got to the fighting. Like I loved watching his adjustment to this Italian village. Just so well done. Such a hard yeah. trick to pull off. Uh,
2: How would you feel about Dakota Fanning and the stuff around her character? She was in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think sorry. it's the weakest part of the movie. I And I don't, think sh- I don't think she's the weakest part of the movie. No. I think she's great. And in fact, yeah. this is a different kind of role than I think I've ever really, you know, mm-hmm. seen her do. And I really kind of liked her in this. I just think that stuff feels tacked on i think that you could have the bookends without it and you could have everything else without it Mm. and the movie is just as good and maybe even a little more focused i know Uh, the only thing i can think is they're setting up future movies maybe like this some sort of team kind of (sighs) thing it i didn't maybe maybe but I didn't feel that it felt
3: more like
2: not a bad actor either and like he's barely in this so Mm -hmm. yeah
3: I what was the runtime on this it was like the shortest of all of them wasn't it 149 149 yeah almost feel like it was a little runtime paddy like they have this core story and they had some extra time to do something else and it even it, it is tied into the core of his character but it's Still feels tanked in, and it's an extra bit of heart that it didn't need. No, it like, doesn't
2: need it. I will say, I really did like their first uh, cafe scene uh, together. Yes. I thought this, the dialogue mm-hmm. in that scene was really fun and sharp. Well, it's,
3: it's Denzel delivering it as well, like yeah, just reading the phone book.
2: Yeah, I I do wonder if they're setting up a team here with uh, uh, I'd him be and here her. For it. Yeah, so.
3: I'd be here for it. Um, I think we're kind of used to her stealing the stage and like stealing every movie that she's in, that when she does something that's pretty normal like this, we're like, huh, what happened? But she's, she's fine. She's doing exactly what she needs to do. I just don't think, I don't feel like the story needed it. It fell out of place.
2: I will also say, and then Andrew, I want to hear like uh, any questions that you have uh, for us. But I will also say, this movie is not without tropes. There are plenty of tropey things that happen that lead, you know, to situations where how is this bad guy not shot his gun yet? You know, like that kind. Of, like there's. Oh, I of... hyped this up way more than <laughs> you can never
3: possibly like it as much as I've talked about it.
2: <laughs> so there, there, there are plenty of action tropes in this movie. Uh, you know, I will also say just to put it in there that my biases also keep me probably from loving a movie like this. And when it deals with violence and my own pacifism and especially gun violence, um, although the creativity here is what I'm talking about, as opposed mm-hmm. to just taking a gun and just, you know, shooting a bunch of people, uh, this, there's, a li- I mean, guns are used to kill here, not just with bullets. That's what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> yes. So, mm-hmm. Um, yes. Uh, Andrew, what, any questions you have uh, for us?
4: Yeah. Something that I really enjoyed about the first film, and maybe you can tell me if this is expanded on in the second or the third film is the fact that we don't know anything about this guy. He is a complete mystery in that first film. Unlike John, John wick, who is, I think the biggest or the easiest comparison, you know, Mm -hmm. the John wick franchise and the equalizer franchise from what I've seen anyway. Um, But I love the fact that how in Equalizer, we don't get that exposition drop from, you know, the mob. Like he was, you know, an assassin for us for a long time. And then he went his own way because he fell in love with his wife. We don't get, you know, a story like that in the first one. Is anything expanded to where you kind of get to know Robert a little bit more in the second or the third movie? Or do they keep it a secret?
2: Go ahead, Ian. Yeah, you get a
3: little bit of that in the second one. That's kind of... A lot of the second one is about his mentor and the person that helped him get out of the job that he was in. So the second one is your movie for that. But again, I think it's to the movie's detriment, to be honest.
4: No, that's what I was going to say. I didn't want to know. Yeah, I didn't want to know about
3: him. I'm I'm fine with the story itself, but I think it was it's telling us something I didn't need to know. Um, the third movie... A small smidgen, but really not, not much at all. No, it, that's mainly the second movie's job.
4: Because yeah. I really enjoyed the uh, the mystery of him, you know? Mm. The mystery, not knowing anything about him, is what made him seem that much more dangerous.
2: Yeah, for sure. Because, yeah. I think the Equalizer... Oh, we've done a lot of weird wick comparisons, but I'll, I'll keep going with them. I think the Equalizer does a better job at maintaining what John Wick did in the first movie that it kind of dropped for the other movies. Like, mm-hmm. this feels like a John Wick one movie. Like, it just feels like there's, the motivations are clear, the story yeah. is compelling. It's not just all about the violence scenes. And it can't, there's only like three, maybe four of them. So, yeah. and and mm-hmm. they're big set pieces and, you know, they're cool, shooty, shooty, yeah, stabby, stabby, mm-hmm. stabby, violent stuff. Like, they, they definitely, they really milk. They they really do go for it, but the human stuff is here in a way that I think, personally, I think the John Wick movies have lost uh, because they're yeah. trying to do more fantasy world building, whatever they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this series has kept it uh, in an interesting way. And I don't yeah. think it's gone too heavy on his exposition. I still think he's a man of mystery. I don't think we know a ton about well, him. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some connections this movie have has to the other movies. Uh, I won't give those away. Um, but if you have watched the other movies, uh, there, there will be uh story reveals and things that, that may be interesting to you. So, um, but that's not the heart of this movie. That's just no. a part yeah. of to this its movie. benefit. Yeah. Uh, anything else? There's no post-credit yeah, I, scene.
4: <laughs> is there a post-credit scene? <laughs> there yeah. isn't, there no, there isn't. No, no. Um, I really enjoyed the cinematography and the way that Antoine, pukuo captured the uh his uh cinematograph cinematographic style i can't talk today sorry uh was just gorgeous in that first film the way he would do quick close-ups on objects or uh, slow down time a little bit Did it, is it still just as beautiful as the uh the first one was
3: well at the top i mentioned one of my negatives it's missing some of that for me um The unique, quote-unquote, gimmicky stuff from the first one where you do the close-up on his eye and he does his little stopwatch and you slow down time and you Mm -hmm. see that he's doing almost like the Sherlock Holmes thinking about each step before he does it. There is a little bit of that in this, but it's mostly gone. It's mostly been abandoned Mm -hmm. from what I could tell. And I really liked that. Maybe they felt it was too gimmicky or too samey at this point. But it's it is
2: missing from this movie. You almost do the workout by yourself, though. You almost like mm. th- they will show him staring, like you. Yes. You like he he has the such a presence, watches. and yeah. yeah, and so you almost like do the the work yourself of what he's figuring out and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
3: and it might be a smarter move than I thought. If that was in this movie, I might be saying, "Oh, I'm done with it now. I'm tired." So you don't kind of know what you miss sometimes.
2: Yeah. Uh, there you go. That is the Equalizer Three, also in theaters. Uh, you can check that out. I think that's a recommend from both Ian and yeah, I uh, to uh, check that out. Um, it is very violent, so just be aware uh, of that. Uh, on to the best ever challenge. But before we do, a big thank you to our amazing Sift Pop members. Thank you for being a part of what goes on here uh, at Sift Pop by supporting. Starts at three bucks a month. You can check that out at Patreon.com/siftpop. Uh, if you'd like to do that, and lots of fun stuff you get there. We do a pre-show uh, that you have access to at different levels. Uh, you can check it all out at patreon.com slash sifpop.
1: The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what Hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling
5: with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify?
2: All right, let's get into the best ever challenge: best ever Kenneth Branagh movies, acting uh, Act- movies. So we will uh, we will go number five to number one. If somebody has it higher, we will. Uh, we will make sure that uh, we wait till whoever has it the highest gets to talk about it. Uh, let's start with you, Ian. What is your number five mm. uh, Kenneth Branagh movie? The
3: Road to El Dorado. Oh, interesting. He's in it First somewhere. I haven't, I haven't seen it in a long, long time, but I remember liking it. I, look, I, <laughs> full disclosure, movie. unless I've missed something, I've seen six Kenneth Branagh movies that he's acted in. So I really <laughs> hate one of them. So this was always going <laughs> to be on the list somewhere. So yeah, number five. It's a fine DreamWorks. I wish they'd carried on along the Prince of
2: um, Prince of Egypt line, but they didn't. Um and this is fun. Yeah. yeah. They were like, oh, let's not do hand drawn anymore. Uh so yeah. Yeah.
4: let's do fault jokes I like instead. this movie. It's a good pick.
2: Yeah, it's fun. Very nice. Uh Andrew, why don't you go next?
4: This is where I have Valkyrie.
2: Mm, nice. Trump. Sorry. <laughs> it's <way R-up>. late. <laughs> uh my number five is Tenant. Uh
4: yeah. If you want well, r-
2: to you six.
4: What's your number four? <laughs>
3: Number four is Valkyrie. We can talk about it now, (laughs) Andrew. Yeah, good. good, Goodness gracious, Uh, I like this movie uh, a lot. Um, I when it came out, I was like, wait a second, Tom Cruise is playing a German. That's weird. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) So weird. I'm choking on my words. But this is a fascinating story to me. A an attempt to bomb Hitler from inside his own um, party army. Um I yeah, I love I think it's a really, really, really well done movie. Really suspenseful. That scene with the bomb in the briefcase and pulling off that plan is excellent. I enjoy it a
2: lot. All right. Uh what about you, Andrew? What's your number four?
4: My number four, this is where I have murder on the Orient Express.
2: Nice. Those are my honorable mentions.
4: Oh, yeah. wait, hang on. Trump. <laughs> Did you <laughs> not want to talk about Valkyrie?
0: <laughs> I'll
4: talk about Valkyrie real quick. Go for it. Talk (laughs) Uh, about Valkyrie. I think that Valkyrie, for me, it was uh, on a second viewing that I really started to appreciate this movie. Like, I kind of liked it the first time. I think maybe I was just overwhelmed because so much happens in this movie um, that uh, Mm -hmm. by the time you get to the ending, it's just insane. But on that second viewing, you really appreciate the acting, not only from tom cruise but like uh the rest of that cast is extraordinary including kenneth Branagh. uh so yeah i highly highly recommend valkyrie if you haven't seen it yeah absolutely unlike any other war <clears throat> movie you're likely to see
2: yeah yeah it's good stuff uh all right i don't think anybody's trumping my number four uh number four i had much ado about nothing um i knew it all right. I had to pick the uh, the only movie on my list that includes both Kenneth Branagh and Denzel Washington. They're both in this movie together. Uh, so uh, this is a great Shakespeare adaptation. Um, I think it's really fun, funny. I think Robert Sean Leonard is great uh, in it. Keanu uh, Reeves is also in it. Uh, and then there are other people who are great in it. Uh, Michael Keaton is great in it. There's so many people <laughs> in this movie uh and it's just a lot of fun. So uh check His it out. His
3: mustache looks so wrong. It's just it's not right. <laughs> He's not growing it right. <laughs> uh
2: yeah, check out much Ado about nothing. It's a classic and it's really, really good. So yep. Nice.
3: Nice.
0: Uh
2: all right, on to our number threes. What do you got? Murder on the Orient Express.
3: Uh, Andrew, why <laughs> you go first? <laughs> just gonna one up you each time.
2: That's wor- he's waiting works. to hear what you say, and then he's putting that at his next number. That's yes, how this is yeah. working. Yeah. Uh, uh, tell us why you like M O T O E. Moto, as we call it in the in the industry.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ian. Oh me! I was waiting for Andrew <laughs> to go. No, Sorry, you I got keep stealing his thunder. The person
2: who has it higher talks about it. Oh, first. is that how
3: this works? Yes. Oh, I haven't been on this show before. Um, you yeah.
4: You no, been, yeah, been, yeah. I was just going to say, have you ever been on this show? <laughs>
3: as i said before um it was a pleasant surprise um an incredibly stacked cast which is like one of the things that draw uh drag drag drew me dragged me what made me watch it um was that i was like if nothing else i'm gonna see some incredible actors do some shit um with kenneth browner leading them and yeah i i think it's really gripping when he loses his proverbials at how everyone is a bugger and everyone is just not nice and they're liars and criminals and the whole shoot me now just it's so good like he just goes full poirot in his first outing and it's so good it
2: is so very good uh andrew talk about it
4: yeah um it's 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 a feat to make a movie that a lot of people have seen the original version of still like suspenseful like I knew the ending. I think a lot of people knew the ending to this movie because I think it's Agatha Christie's most famous book. I could be wrong on that. I think so. But uh, Yeah. Um, so a lot of people know how it ends. But for me to still be their white knuckling as I'm watching this movie, right. yeah. it's a testament uh-huh. to the writing, the acting. It's just it's it's an achievement. It really is.
2: I agree. Uh good stuff. Very, very good stuff. It definitely was in my honorable mentions. Uh, My number three is another one I don't think anybody has. You're just lucky I didn't put it at number one. Number three is where I have swing kids. Uh Mm, haven't seen it. Kenneth Brana is in Swing Kids. I just realized, Dean, like I need to it needs to be like the first movie we watch when you're in town next time. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Just to see uh, Robert Sean Leonard theme. Well, you're on what a mean? Robert Sean Leonard kick, <laughs> aren't you? Look at that. And, uh, and Christian Bale singing, uh, or just, I'm sorry, not singing, dancing. I th- went into Newsies there for a second. Christian Bale singing in <laughs> <Yeah>. Newsies. <laughs> yeah. No, this is dancing. Uh, this is this is the most interesting way I've ever seen a movie fight the Nazis uh, through swing dancing. So, um, Amazing. So, yeah, uh, highly excited for you to check it out if you've never seen it. Uh, you may have mm-hmm. to do some digging for it. I do not believe there's ever been a high def release of this movie. Um, oh, really? His... I'm not going to watch it with you then. This <laughs> is really, really good. Good upscaling, it. good upscaling on my TV. So you should be awesome. Uh, all right, let's get on to our number twos. What do you got, Ian? What
4: about my number three? Huh? Yeah, I haven't trumped him yet. You
3: gotta wait for me to
2: trump him.
4: No.
2: I just, uh, I mean, I guess I just assumed that you'd been trumped with your number three. Yeah. <laughs> what is your nice. number three, yeah. uh, Andrew? You
4: ready, Ian? <laughs> uh huh. I'm ready. All right, Tenant. Oh hell no! <laughs> no, <laughs>
2: not on my list. That was the one no, you this trumped is where me I with. Have Tenet. So talk about Tenant.
4: Okay, yeah. Um, it's not my favorite uh, Christopher Nolan film. I think that this is the movie you could say that he really overestimated the audience's ability to follow along with the complex complexity of his stories. But having said that. Some of the best visuals I've ever seen in movies are in this, especially like the scene where they blow up a building in reverse time and then they show it in real time right afterwards. It's one of the coolest scenes. Well, they blow the same building cinema. up
2: in two different time directions at the same time. That's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I just probably yeah.
4: phrased it. This weird. is exactly
3: why I'm out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's too cool.
3: Too amazing. I couldn't follow it. I, I I feel like this movie makes me feel like the dumbest person in the world, <laughs> and I love no, Inception. I, so I know it's I know it's not me because I I I get it. I, this one just went too far for me. I need to watch it again, it, but I just it I really can't did.
4: I've seen get this movie. It. I'd say about four or five times now, and it's still very difficult to follow. I think that Interstellar was like the the chef's kiss when it comes to making a movie complicated, but still accessible like they they did a good until enough job ex- until the end yeah um <laughs> I, the ending i believe it or not i just watched this movie uh, a couple days ago um the ending is starting to not bother me as much as it did when i first saw it the whole love is the answer to everything i don't know why we're talking about uh, interstellar when i'm supposed to be talking about <laughs> tenet um,
2: i love but, uh, no. interstellar but that is not a surprise
4: yeah yeah, it's it's definitely not bothering me as much as it did. But Tenet, yeah, I think that Christopher Nolan kind of, you know, pushed the pushed the envelope a little too far. But it's still a remarkable movie, nonetheless. And it kind of saved the uh, film industry during
2: COVID. To let you know, movie. <laughs> That's right. Now. Yeah, single-handedly, uh, single-handedly yeah. saved the film industry.
3: That's probably why I don't like it. It was the only movie I saw in the pandemic, and I just came out of it going, "I
2: risked COVID for that." <laughs> i'm just confused i ate popcorn through a mask for this uh i i had it at number five it is a uh i think an incomprehensible film that i love um and i yeah. i don't think it actually makes sense so ian i i i agree I it's not you yeah i, it I agree hurts. it's not you i i literally been and, and i have I have studied this movie. I have studied this movie frame by frame for the entire movie. And its conceptual idea of going backwards and forwards in time and using that information the way they do in the movie is self-contradictory. So the movie Mm -hmm. is a paradox. And I think you just have to accept this is a paradox. It doesn't make sense. And then just go with what the movie is doing, which, by the way... The movie educates you on this very early on and says, "Don't think about it; just let it happen." And I—that's think is the second that it lost me. Right, that, but that is, gonna saying, be that is Nolan saying that is Nolan saying, "Don't right. try to figure this out." And I think he knows, in essence, that he it doesn't should know make me better.
4: Everything Nolan has taught us about his movies <laughs>
3: up until that point, <laughs> yeah. And he should just really know me
2: better. He should know that that's not going to be something that I'm going to let fly, having especially with time travel, because I love said time that. travel. Having said that, it does work surprisingly well. Even though it doesn't actually hold together, the forward backward stuff in the way it's conceptually put together holds together really really well. There's some interesting ways he uses that that actually do make sense mm-hmm. if the paradox didn't exist, but it does. It's so you're, saying there, that, so. you're
4: saying that you're saying that Tech on a technical scientific standpoint, it doesn't make sense, but the way it's used narratively pushes the story
2: forward correctly and interestingly and c- hmm. very cleverly. Yeah. Like, this you know, it's a really smart movie that just doesn't feel like it has to be completely theoretically sound. Um, yeah. So that's, that's again, that's my take. So but I I, I, I do love yeah. the movie. I really do love it. I think Tenet. you've explained why I don't like it. Yeah. I think I think we're <laughs> yeah. on the same page. I think mm-hmm. yeah, I think we're on the same page. Uh all right, Confused. on to our number twos. Uh what do you got, Ian? Oh, me, um uh, Oppenheimer. Me too. Me too.
3: It's my number two. You nice! know it's number two. Excellent. We, we are too animus. Yeah, we are. I love um, it. Too cool for school. Um pff, come on. It's Oppenheimer. I wasn't I really just put it on there because you didn't invite me on the pod for <laughs> uncovering that episode um i loved it this is the quickest 3 hours that felt like 3 minutes um it went by so quick um it's such an incredibly well done um biopic not biopic biopic <laughs> Um, just
2: excellent, outstanding. You don't even need the. You're big objectively boom. wrong on that pronunciation, you know. <laughs> biopic. They're biopics. That is, they They're have biopic. never been biopic. biopics. Biopics They're is like a, a contact
4: pictures. Lens. <laughs>
2: biopic. That's what we call it. A biopic. It's a biopic.
3: It's not a it physio thing. Anyway, love it. Great movie. Outstanding. Good
2: yeah, Andrew up. Oppenheimer.
4: Yeah, yeah, I had in a number two as well. The Trinity scene is so anxiety-inducing. Like, I know what's going to happen. I know it's a a successful test. I know all of these things. But that entire sequence is just, you know, fourth gear. I guess that's the best way to explain it. It's just, it's fourth gear. Your adrenaline is rushing through the entire sequence. Christopher Nolan, you you did it for your first R-rated film, you know, he didn't feel like he overused that rating in any way. Everything felt purposeful. It. Uh,
2: I agree. I know some people don't. Film. I know some people think that the uh, the sexual stuff and the nudity <laughs> was Boobies. was, uh, was um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm going to say superfluous. That's Boulder. not. That's not what usually people don't. They say uh, gratuitous. Uh, I know some gratuitous. people bl- yes. believe that no, it was gratuitous. I actually think it really. Hits home for what he's trying to do about the, especially the scene in the boardroom. The scene in the boardroom is yeah. the most intense visual representation I have had for how the stripping of privacy oh, feels.
0: Yes. And
2: it's, it's, and I think, and I think it's better because of how raw it is. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. For it's me, the it's definition the best of show movie. don't tell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thank you. Again. It really is. Yes.
4: Yeah. For me, it is the best scene in the entire movie. Yeah. It's, well, I think I've never seen I've never seen somebody so raw and exposed portrayed in such a way before. It's it's a brilliant way of doing it.
2: I think there. Are, I mean, it's not necessarily my favorite scene in the movie. There are other scenes that that uh, I I think the scene in when after the bomb where he's in front of people and it's. Going from a crowd of, you know, thundering feet to flashes of, you know, people kissing and then and I'm not going to go into all the details. I think that is just brilliant filmmaking. And there's so many things like that in this movie. This movie was revealing itself to me for weeks afterwards. Uh, the things that he's yeah. doing with the ideas of fission and fusion, there is a very, I believe, specific reason he called the two segments of this movie fission and fusion, um, and uh, and I believe the scene yeah. at the pond is a nuclear reaction, and the the cascading atom. That sets forth this whole other mm-hmm. uh, domino effect. Uh, so w- Whether it was intended or not, it's just—it's just really, really brilliant stuff. The way the raindrops look like dropping bombs. I just—I just. I just mm-hmm. I lo- I just like I just like Nolan's brain. I just mm-hmm. it, it connects with me in a really interesting yeah. way, and a lot of it is uh, is very clear on Oppen- Oppenheimer, which again we talked about a lot of this on the uh, review. Um, so I'm always always glad to bring it up again. Uh, yeah. All right, on to our number ones, Ian. What is your number one? Dunkirk. Hmm. Dunkirk. Dun, I, dun, I have this.
3: Uh, I wobbles between like my number one and number two um favorite nolan movies and i am fairly much on an island people like dunkirk but it's not like really up there as anyone's favorite um i just think this is one of the tightest stories that nolan has has told to be honest um outside of um like following is that the black and white one that that, this first
2: one yeah
3: yeah the first one I know you've got the weird time stuff where you have an hour a week, a day, whatever it is, and people get a little bit hung up on that. But it is... The, the sound design on this film is visceral. It's so good. Um, and you're just following this group of people through another famous point in history. Um, obviously, it's an, it's an excellent war movie without being too gratuitous, kind of, with all of the explosions and killing and whatnot. Mm -hmm. It's a great story. Those boats, those boats arriving Kenneth Branagh's face. So good.
2: Uh, It was my first honorable mention. So, yeah, I I love Dunkirk. I think it's really, really, really good. Uh, Andrew, I think we probably have the same number one. Go ahead. What is yours?
4: Infinity War. Infinity
2: War, yeah, is, is my number one as well. Talk about it. Where where is he's he in, in a, where he's he's he the voice the of thing is he? the very
4: first voice you hear in the entire That's movie is guardian guardianship You cannot
3: hey. count that. That is absolutely when it's told your you show fooling. you can make the rules is, however you want. He uh, is in that rubbish. movie. I'm, it counts. I'm leaving. Can I get <laughs> out of this show? It does
2: not count. It does count. Veto! It is is, veto! It is is best ever movies Kenneth Branagh is in. He is in that movie. It's
3: not the spirit of the thing, isn't it? You're not going to talk about the spirit of the
2: thing. (laughs) The spirit of the
4: of the game is best movie, not best. Did you
2: make the stars?
4: Did you create the
2: heavens? This is some (laughs)
4: nonsense.
3: (laughs) What is the point? (laughs) el dorado should be talked about more than this movie
4: he does just as much work in el dorado as he does here he's voice acting that's That's why i
3: had it at number five not number
4: one (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah this movie is remarkable
2: it is remarkable Um, it is remarkable
4: it's
3: remarkable
2: for half of We talked about it a lot
4: (laughs) unless you have anything you'd like to add on the Aaron. <laughs>
2: Nothing, no, just um, I just I love it more and more. Uh every time I see it. I think it's uh it's really good. Um Is so, it your yeah.
4: first uh uh in your MCU ranking? I, or do you still have the first Avengers?
2: No, I, I still have the first Avengers uh, hired just for... I mean, you
3: can't you can't adventure. say the first Avengers, because that could be Captain America. First <laughs> the first
2: Avenger, <laughs> yeah. which I also just like more Star, than most people. It's but... just Star Wars, okay? Yes, that's right. Just Star Wars. Uh, let's talk yeah. some honorable mentions. Uh, Andrew, why don't you give us the, uh, the, the picks of the gurus? I
4: can do that. Um, the third highest pick was Dunkirk. Okay. A second highest pick was a movie none of us even mentioned. That's Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Sure. Mm. Sure.
3: Yep. Yep. Honorable mentions. I am not,
4: yep. as it is infamously known, I am not the biggest Harry Potter fan, but I do remember enjoying this movie more than most. So this is one with the big snake, right? The basilisk. Yeah.
3: Yeah. That's it. And the Cerberus and the flying
4: car. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually reading the books right now for the first time. They're good
0: and number one yeah
4: number one is oppenheimer
2: yep. yeah good choice nice. good choice yep. uh honorable mentions ian what do you got um
3: i had uh, chamber of secrets and um nothing else, <laughs> else you've seen anything else. all right well but i'm gonna tell
2: you i'm gonna tell you one of my honorable mentions that i really do think you uh, uh need to see maybe we'll do a kenneth Braun a night and do uh swing kids in this one um yeah. dead again need to check out Dead Again, especially okay. if you were looking for something a little more uh, yeah. haunting and scary with your uh, haunting in Venice. Um, Dead nice. Again is is a really interesting uh, suspense horror thriller uh, kind of fun thing. So,
4: Nice. One more movie that we haven't mentioned. I'll just throw it out there real quick. Just because it's the most authentic version of the story, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Hmm. You may not like the movie because it's not like, what a lot of people expect Frankenstein to be, but it's the closest adaptation we've gotten to the book,
2: which is a good book. Uh, My research also said uh, he uh, was an extra in Chariots of Fire so i wanted to mention chariots of fire who, as well who wasn't
4: <laughs> <laughs> was he one of the runners <laughs> probably
2: <laughs> i don't know uh all right well there you go there's the best ever challenge let's get to the sift uh the excuse me very treasure what is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want uh, people to know about ian you're our guest so you will go last um i will kick us off do it. In the uh, pre show, uh, I hinted and teased that Star Wars would be a part of my buried treasure story. And it's because this is a movie that came out the week before Star Wars did and absolutely bombed at the box office. And in the same way that Star Wars is often said to have kicked off uh, summer blockbusters, the idea of big summer movies, this is kind of the Final movie of an era of big budget, darker movies, not, you know, um, heroic characters. Um, It is William Friedkin's Sorcerer uh, came out the week before uh, Star Wars. Uh, This movie is amazing. Um, This is one of those movies that you just have to stop every few minutes and go how how did they how feel that how did yes. that happen um because Ian and I were texting on the night I was watching this uh we both ended up watching it uh mm-hmm. so I know Ian you've seen this as well um but this movie has I'm going to say five or six set pieces that just kind of blew my mind and I don't want to give any of it away uh, the visual you're seeing on the screen is one of them that's you know uh, of the truck that's tilting on a a wooden bridge. Um, it's a the, the title is a little misleading. it's it's the name of a truck and there is this idea of you know uh, being cursed or those kind of things, but it's not it's not a spiritual tale. This is a very no. direct uh, <clears throat> task that's being handled here yeah. of uh, transporting dynamite. Um, is this and- based
4: on a true story? I believe so.
2: Is it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Maybe it is. Uh, So anyways, uh, Sorcerer is my buried treasure, and it's a huge, huge recommend. Ian, did you have anything it you wanted okay. to say about
3: it? Oh, no, you you can't. Um, I don't want to say anything about it because you just need to go in and watch it. But if you are of a nervous disposition, speak to your cardiologist or doctor <laughs> first, because yes. this is not a double screening movie. This is a... you you will be rewarded for watching every single second Mm
2: -hmm. yeah there's there's a macgyver scene in this uh in this movie that is just so good (laughs) no words are spoken for like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes and it's amazing like it's just yeah yeah, it's so good so good
3: And i couldn't guess where they were going
2: with it until it happened and then you're like oh that makes perfect sense I, i i knew where they were going like I, I actually had the thought, oh, why don't you just do that? And then they, they did what my <laughs> oh, my brain amazing. said. You so. nerd. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You'd be fine in this situation, Aaron, I'm Absolutely. sure. I, I would be. No, I would not be. <laughs> no, you I would, would not. I would not be. Uh, I've seen you at the Hollywood sign. <laughs> Andrew, what is your buried treasure?
4: Um, Real quick, I was looking up to see where you, you could watch Sorcerer.
2: I don't, believe, do you know where- I don't believe there's anywhere to watch it if you don't have uh, a copy of it. So...
4: Yeah. Okay. Um, well, my buried treasure is the most unburied treasure in the history of unburied treasures. <laughs> it's going to be Baldur's Gate 3. Nice. 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 Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The biggest video game in the world right now. If you haven't heard of it. Um, yeah, I haven't heard so of it. So basically, well, what's that?
3: I said, it's completely missed me. I have, haven't heard you, of
2: it. You're joking, but you know yes, I have sorry. no idea what this is. Uh, you know, you're so, lying. You, oh, have you're, you, do you, you really not know podcasts? what this is? No have clue. Not... No clue what okay. this is. Where have you been? In the place it, where I... I don't care what video games come out. I don't. <laughs> 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 but you must have accidentally, me and Denae have mentioned this game to you. I. But, but you understand, like, saying a name of something doesn't mean I understand <laughs> what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, sorry, my <laughs> mistake. Fair enough
4: so basically for those of you like i if Aaron, i said, if I said something about is,
2: a sports team or something you wouldn't register that you wouldn't be and in... of
3: course i care about you as my friend
2: <laughs> All <laughs> All right, right, so fair, I'm fair. that's fair I have to care more it's
3: important to you
2: Could, tell me about this game that that I already knew about and actually have been playing
4: <laughs> so this is the closest any video game has ever gotten so far to Dungeons and dragons like Don't worry. It has dice rolls. It has every single thing that, like, mind flares, like different races, different classes, everything that you the would spells? expect to see from a five E D and D uh, campaign is is in this, including all the adult themed stuff that every single Dungeons and Dragons campaign eventually finds a way to sneak <laughs> in, either mm-hmm. something. Sexual or wildly brutal, you know, like killing somebody in an extremely brutal way. All that stuff is in this, and I love it all the more for it. Um, Right now, I've recreated my favorite D&D character that I always play. So I have a tiefling bard, and he's going around, and he's causing all sorts of trouble. This game is hard. This yes. game is very. This hard. game is
3: unforgiving if you error. Yeah, and start a fight yeah. you can't finish.
4: Save, save, save a lot. That's all I'll say. F5, save your game F5. a lot.
3: Constant F five.
4: Yeah, quick save.
2: Um, I like F five.
4: ever, yeah, F five.
2: Fast five. I, I thought I, fast five was great.
4: Fast five. Yeah, fast five guys. Five guys. Um, but no, if if you've been curious about D and D, but you've never had anybody to play with. This is your perfect end right here. You can learn the basics of how the system works. The graphics are good. The characters are fun. I think this is one of, if not the best game that's come out this year. It may you be have one a dungeon of the best master games ever. of sorts. Yeah, you can learn how to be a DM. You can learn everything from this.
3: Oh, so I that's meant crazy. that the game actually gives you a dungeon master of sorts. Because oh, that was yeah, my biggest question, where I was like, but. The Dungeon Master is a big part of D&D, and it manages yeah, to nar- pull that off Yeah, there's a as well.
4: narrator who's the DM yeah. and guides you through everything. I love it. I really yeah. do. It's really good.
2: I can't imagine a game less made for me. Um, but Oh,
3: you'd be paralyzed by this game. Yeah, I am
2: so thrilled that this is out there for people uh, who would love it. And now I am well aware of it, uh, now that it's been mentioned by a friend. Well, um. Aaron, <laughs>
4: don't forget, you've actually played a and d campaign at this point in your Indeed. life. You've done it now.
2: Indeed, I have.
4: Mm-hmm. With the gentleman sitting across. From, I guess he's not sitting
2: across from yeah. you know, Not today. Across. Uh we'll soon. Ian! What
3: is this your- is the first time I think my buried treasure has qualified as a buried treasure. Oh, I nice. usually pick something that isn't a buried treasure. But um, yesterday, I watched a movie from 2013 called Europa Report. Um, and I vaguely remember this coming out in 2013, um, but I just completely missed it. And this movie is completely made for me. This movie is so great. It's got middling reviews on IMDb and the internet and whatnot. I don't know why we aren't talking about this movie more. Actually, I think I do know. I think it's I think it's the finale, perhaps, but... This is a really, really cool story. The The basic premise is it's the near future. We've discovered water on Europa, one of the moons that orbits Jupiter. And it's our best kind of best chance of finding life in the solar system, which is true today. It's absolutely the mm-hmm. most likely place that we're going to find um, bacteria or organisms of some sort because it also has some heat in there as well. Now, for some reason, this movie decides that, as a race, we've decided to skip going back to the moon, we've skipped Mars, we've skipped everything, and we've just put all of our chips into a manned mission to (laughs) Jupiter. Like, forget a Mars base or anything. Um, Now, all of this movie... This movie is a fictional documentary that is wrapped around um, found footage that's all inside the Europa space module Um, that's going over there so it's all changing from cameras to cameras but you kind of forget about that because it's done so well it's not like shaky cam nonsense it's just observing these people on the mission as you'd expect stuff goes sideways they have to um the martian themselves out of some predicaments and there's just an excellent mystery that goes all the way through uh the movie as well um just great great sci-fi story it's 90 minutes it feels like a long episode of star trek where like maybe the star trek like one of the crews find these logs and are trying to uncover the mystery um i love the way it's framed and yeah it kept me hooked the entire time so i think more people should watch this movie
2: Very nice. That is uh, Europa Report, uh, available for free on Prime uh, here in the states, or um, video demand. I think it's like a buck to rent. Uh, Baldur's Gate Three is available for PC and PS Five. In Sorcerer can be rented on VOD for three bucks, and it's well worth the three bucks uh, to rent that. Have you guys seen Europa Report, or do you remember it at all? I I I think that's the first time I've heard of this movie. Um, That's incredible. I'd
4: heard of it. I, it was on my uh, but i didn't know what Baldur's gate 3 print. was
3: so don't come yeah, to me yeah <laughs> oh my goodness amazing it, i really liked it i enjoyed it it's good it's good stuff
2: there you go well we did it guys we did a podcast yeah, thank you for for staying up till 3 in the morning ian or whatever it is you're not kidding it's 2:46 <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh there to, to do a podcast <clears throat> uh we really do appreciate it uh and uh, appreciate you being here And thank you for joining us for Sif Pop today. Uh, It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You find out more about other shows on the network at StudioDNA.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again today. Thank you, buddy. Big thanks to producer Phil for producing the audio and video show. Thanks, Phil. And thanks to Ian Whittington for coming Woo-hoo! by again. Ian, uh, where would you like to uh, w- to point at for people to come find you?
3: Uh, come hang out on Twitter, I guess, at Witsend. And if you like Star Trek, or if you don't like Star Trek, come and listen to Captain's Pod, a Star Trek companion podcast. We're currently going through uh, Season 4 of Lower Decks, as it lands with Danae, a relapsed Trek fan who's trying to find her way back into the final frontier.
2: There you go. Check that out. I actually have
3: that written down for once.
2: (laughs) Check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Much love and gratitude to our Sif members. Thank you for supporting what goes on here and uh, keeping us going. That support starts at $3 a month, and you get access to bonus episodes at different levels as well as some other fun perks. You can find more at patreon.com slash siftpop. Lots of ways to connect with us. Feel free to leave a comment, a rating, or a review at Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. You can actually email us, feedback at siftpop.com. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too. So make sure you let them know about it and that listening is much easier than getting a good cup of tea in a Naples coffee shop. Uh, We will be back. Next week with more movies, Plan catch up, probably still maybe uh, going with a couple movies we haven't seen. Uh, and then uh, also anything new that might uh, hit our fancy. So we'll see you then.
4: Bye.
5: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.